Fight Club became the reason to cut your hair short or trim your fingernails. Okay. Any historical figure? I'd fight Gandhi. Good answer. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the analysis. Today we are going to be continuing a segment, a brand new segment, a segment that has been sweeping the nation. Uh, that is a case for, and today I am being joined by my two buddies, Mike Hammond and Jordan Harris from the mountains of Denver. Mike and Jordan, welcome back, and uh, say hello to the people. What's up? What up, Red man? It's good to be back on the show. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, been a while. It's been since the uh, Jim Harris days. Year plus, right? Yeah, yeah, about a year plus, I think. So, welcome back. You guys are just a stone's throw away from historic Kenny's house. And I, I, I got to say, I'm impressed on uh, how big this thing got, man. It's huge. It's all <laughs> over the place. Uh, I just feel honored to be there in the early days and be a part of it. So, yeah, yeah, Good yeah. Ground you guys uh, were part of our inception phase there, so uh, you know so many more fans now since you first joined. But uh, we are making a comeback. Uh, we are uh, we have fridge magnets that that's all I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have fridge magnets that I'm going to uh, be sending you guys, and maybe if you work hard enough, you'll be able to get a cartoon here pretty soon. But let's get down to business because we have a lot to cover today. So as always on the analysis when we do a case four, we're going to be making a case for an actor and whether or not they deserve to be in elite status or not. And today we will be covering Ed Norton. <laughs> nope. It's just, uh, yeah, Edward Norton to me. So. Okay. Yep. Ed, yes, correct. Edward, let's go by his... SAG name, uh, you know, because... For those of us that are close, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he did go to Yale. We should use his proper name. Uh, so we will be referring to him from now on as Edward Norton. So, guys, before we dig into this, let's give a minute or so and just give our uh, shot out of a cannon our feelings about Edward Norton. So first you, Hammond. Yeah, the first thing Ed Norton reminds me of is me and you in college arguing about who is better at acting, Ed Norton or... Or Leonard DiCaprio. Yeah, sorry, I, uh, yeah, was... I wasn't going to bring it up. I uh, didn't want to ruin your time. Well, you know, we can talk through it a little okay. bit. I would say you won that at the end of the day, but there's there's a couple details we can we can work through there. No details. No details. Total win for me. But thank you for trying. Uh, Jordan, how about you? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, and I didn't really realize this until today, but looking back at his film career is actually pretty interesting. Um, and the reason I say that is really because he came out at the scene and just crushed it for like 10 years it was like he couldn't do anything wrong or at least yeah. a solid mm -hmm. you know five to seven years and then the, the later half of his career so far has been you know kind of underwhelming so i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit but uh i still hold him in really high regard um regardless of the work that he's done lately there's there's been a, a lot of duds and a, a few good ones in there too yeah it's kind of ironic that you guys are coming on after our McConaughey episode because he's really the reverse of McConaughey where he started off his career really strong and is showing us a little bit of reason for doubt towards the back half his, of his career whereas you know McConaughey had a very rough kind of uh, late beginning and uh, middle of his career but has really come on afterwards uh, but yeah just kind of interesting that they run a couple different circles there but yeah a, a 
my first feelings when doing the research for this uh, conversation today and looking over this filmography, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was the word intensity. Because looking over this filmography, uh, a lot of these movies I've only seen one time just because uh, they're so intense and so emotionally draining that they're tough for me to get through and I've only hmm. gotten myself uh, up to seeing them one time and after I've seen them, uh, <laughs> haven't been able to get back to that place again. And I, I've only seen them once because it felt like a little a bit of a marathon uh, for me to watch them again, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad way. Uh, he's he's just an intense guy. But uh, looking at his Rotten Tomato scores for his movies, and, and this isn't law necessarily, but he's had thirty two movies, and twenty seven of them have been certifiably fresh. So you know he's had a very successful career uh, with a lot of critical acclaim. And uh, safe bet is to say eighty four percent of his movies have been good. So uh, that'll bring me into a uh, transition here for uh, looking at Ed Norton's full filmography. Uh, and again, I want to stay structured. I want to make sure uh, you know we, we hit all of our structures to, to, to paint the best picture for Ed Norton that we can. So today we're going to be doing uh, his two best movies, his two worst movies, his most iconic movie, and then uh, roles that we think he would have been great in but wasn't ever necessarily considered for. So uh, starting out uh, to give us a point of reference for when we will be going through the journey of Ed Norton, Edward, excuse me, Norton's career. Uh, in 1996, he started his career with Primal Fear, which uh, I, last week I made the argument that Matthew McConaughey may have had the best leadoff movie ever with Dazed and Confused and David Wooderson, but uh, looking at this, probably I was wrong and actually Edward Norton had the best start. So 96, he started with Primal Fear in that same year. He also did Everyone Says I Love You, which is a Woody Allen movie. And he also starred as uh, Larry Flint's lawyer in the People vs. Larry Flint. In 1998, uh, he followed those performances up with Rounders and American History X. In 1999, he did uh, Fight Club. So pretty damn good couple years there for Mr. Norton. Uh, after that, in 2000, he did Keeping the Faith, uh, and running through these in uh, with without the years now. Uh, Keeping the Faith, uh, after that was The Score, Death to Smoochie, Frida, Red Dragon, The 25th Hour, Italian Job, Kingdom of Heaven, Down in the Valley, The Illusionist, The Painted Veil, The Incredible Hulk, Pride and Glory, The Invention of Lying, Leaves of Grass, Stone, Moonrise Kingdom, so now we're starting to get into uh, the back half of his career. His more indie, fun comedy side. So Moonrise Kingdom, The Dictator, The Born Legacy, Grand Budapest Hotel, Birdman, Little Door Gods, Sausage Party. He played the bagel in the cartoon Sausage Party with uh, Seth Rogen and the gang. Uh, Collateral Beauty and Isle of Dogs. And then in 2019, he will be directing his own movie, Motherless Brooklyn. So with that said, now that we have our point of reference, let's start into some of our structured activities. And uh, we'll begin with you, Jordan. Let's start with uh, your two best or favorite Edward Norton performances. Take it away, bud. Yeah, well, right off the bat, we're going to get right into it and just say American History X. I think that is... Uh... Not only a fantastic movie, but a fantastic performance by Mr. Edward Norton. Uh, 
And, you know, one of those movies, along with a lot of his early ones, where they were coming out at a time, or I should say, those are some of the earliest movies that I watched when I was really discovering movies and film for the first time in a different way. And so American History X just blew my mind. Um, and I'm, you know, it's, I'm kind of nostalgic for that feeling. I don't know if I get that anymore with movies. Uh, you can only discover something once, really. Uh, Wait, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, that so, yeah. was 20 yeah, years we are ago. It's not a movie enough. I was seeing in the theater, that's for sure. So we were in like, what, 8th, ninth grade when that came out? I'm pretty sure we watched that in my basement <laughs> on VHS. Old. Yeah, that, um, man, 20 years. And there's just some, you know, and I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. I don't know, I'm throwing a number out there, but it's been a while, so, you know, I, I probably don't remember all the details, but... Again, it's intense. It is not an easy can, watch, man. You can only it watch is... someone getting curb stomped, you know, so many times before, <laughs> before it gets graphic. Like, right. Well, that I get the point. Yeah. Most memorable scene? Would you say it's the curb stomp or the uh, shower room rape? I'd say it's the curb stomp, but that's that's a pretty awful one and two to pick between for <laughs> for most memorable. My favorite scene was probably the dinner table one where they're having this long discussion, which with I think a that's Roddy King, like a, right? A, that, why? Yeah. Why his dad shouldn't be have been in that neighborhood fighting the fire? Yeah, don't they have like a, a Jewish, uh, like dad? That's the dad. Somebody it's over yeah. stepdad. It's the stepdad, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just remember just being like glued to the TV, listening to that dialogue, and hanging on every word. So, and you know, and for uh, Norton, it's a it's a movie that really showcases his range too, because he goes from psycho crazy to, uh, I think, sort of the. Uh, Ed Norton that we're used to, which is sort of soft-spoken and, uh, I don't know, soft for a, a lack of maybe a better word, but, uh, yeah, when he's... Yeah, and his remorseful scenes towards the end there, and him trying to work his way back into society after all the lessons he's learned in prison. He, he definitely is more of the, the Norton we know, and it's, it is, he, he almost is wearing two different characters in that movie. It's an incredible, incredible movie. I actually didn't have it on my, uh, on either of my, the two of my number ones because uh, there's a couple other ones that I just, just love so much. But it, this movie, and this was also the beginning of the Edward Norton is tough to work with phase, because this movie had a lot of press, and he still got nominated in spite of it. But that that he was just kind of a, an absolute nightmare to right, work right, with. Right, right, because that started the whole, that started the whole like he would like rewrite scenes and stuff, right, and like demand that it be put in and. And you started yeah. doing that a lot with these movies, I guess, as years went on. Mm-hmm. And he wanted final say in terms of the final mm-hmm. cut. He really did not get along with the director, Tony Kay, on this. But, uh, yeah, just just an incredible, incredible movie. And, and you, uh, that was very interesting that you said that, Jordan, because this was also the first time that I was kind of getting into dramas and kind of dramas of this tone. And I remember being uh, in Florida with my older brother, Andrew, who is an actor. He lives in L.A. now. Uh, but he had rented both this movie and Rounders, and they both came out the same year. And he was like, you got to sit down and watch these. And it was just absolutely eye-opening. Because, you know, when we were kind of this age, 98, we had seen movies, dramas, kind of like Forrest Gump, kind of safer dramas that still kind of, they, they weren't children's movies, but they were they were dramas, but they were kind of easier to watch. And this was the first one that was like, holy shit, made you sick oh, in God. your stomach. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And the juxtaposition of the Rounders supporting character that like sly quirky con artist guy and this you know crazy racist from california i mean those are just insanely different roles to play in the same year in two different films it's just nuts 
Yeah, and, and also just in terms of American History X, it still holds up and is still incredibly relevant. Every well, single well, theme yeah. in this movie, we're still finding That's what I was going to say. Could they make this movie today? Is the question I had. I don't even know if... Could they I, make it? Yeah. Shit, they're probably going to reboot it. No, <laughs> well, I don't... I, I think this would... I think that movie would rub people the wrong way, even with how good it was. I, I still think... I mean, it, it is hard to watch that movie again. I haven't seen it in several years. It's, it's just so... Yeah, it's hard to say, because I don't have the perspective of what, you know, I guess media or societal reaction was to that movie at the time, because I was, you know, 12. So I wasn't yeah. in tune with uh, people's reactions like I, I would be today, but... Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know. It would be tough. Yeah. So, Jordan, uh, great great leadoff. Uh, Mike, Mike, you didn't have American History X on I your did, list I did, I did. Yeah, it was number two for me. Oh, okay. So that's one of yeah. yours as well. Uh, Jordan, what was your number two? Rod, I almost passed on this man just so you could have it. But looking through the list, I just I couldn't choose another movie besides Birdman. Damn you! Wow. Damn you! No. <laughs> no, it's completely fair. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got one of mine So, both of you guys have it on there? I was so, Oh, okay. of course. It's of three course. for me. I didn't know. I thought three might have been high. That's interesting. Well, if we're talking best movie, I think it's got to be up there. If we're talking yeah. best Norton performance, you know, probably not. Although he is really good. No, this, this important is phenomenal. Uh, go ahead. Let, let's hear why, you, why you're into this uh, before I get into mine. Uh, the... Birdman's a fantastic movie. It's also, it's probably benefits from the fact that it's fresher in my mind because I've seen it uh, yeah. recently. And so it really sticks out. And, um, you know, I, I know you love Birdman more than probably most movies, <laughs> if not all movies. And I wasn't as high on it as you were. But that being said, it's still, a, it's a fantastic movie. It's extremely well done. Um, I forget I whatever the director's name is. I love pretty much everything he does, and it's it's so unique and well acted. Alejandro uh, Inarritu. Yeah, I think you nailed the the uh, enunciation, the pronunciation. The uh, yeah, definitely butchered yeah. it, but yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic movie. I mean, Norton's great. Uh, he's probably, I mean, even overshadowed in the movie by Keaton, who's the main character. But that doesn't, I think, take away from uh, Norton's performance. and I disagree. I think he steals every single scene he's in. Uh, I think the best five scenes in that movie all have to do with him. I think that first moment where he's the put-in and, uh, and he walks in and they do that whole 15, 20-minute take where they do the rehearsal, uh, just in terms of being an actor, being a stage actor, absolutely that you no know, it's about this what's it about no did you say fuck you let's try it on let's fucking do the scene uh that is real that is that is a fantastic scene um the scene where he goes to get coffee and he, he he's just had the drunken i'm gonna i'm gonna work with the chicken and then they go out of the theater and then they go around the corner and i still talk about the scene today where uh he's like dude Carver was fucked up. This is written on a cocktail napkin. He was like drinking all night. And then it's it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. It doesn't matter. The only person whose fucking opinion matters is right down there. And it's the the, the theater critic. Uh, that whole scene is fantastic. I think the best scenes in the movie are him and Emma Stone up on top of that roof. Yeah. And I wish I could take your eyes out and, and look through the world through your eyes. Uh, just, I... He's also like hilarious. It's It's... He said it's the most artistic 
artistically fulfilling movie he's ever done. Uh, because, in, you know, and it goes back to the character's pretentious, self-centered, hard to work with, all things he's probably seen in, in him, his own self before. Uh, he really got to kind of turn the mirror to nature and play through it and laugh at it and uh, have it be completely justified in that movie. I really just absolutely love him in that movie. And he yeah. lost to J.K. Simmons. Uh, he's been nominated three times, uh, Primal Fear and then American History X and this. And he lost to J.K. Simmons, which was an absolute awesome performance in Whiplash. But, man. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with uh, anything you laid out there. I mean, I'm with you. Do you know off the top of your head how much screen time he had in Birdman? Or, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, do, I don't know, but like they were all... Minutes, probably. He used every mm-hmm. second of it. Well, yeah, that, I really yeah. nailed it. Because, Bob, I think you you point out something really important, and that's, like, stealing scenes from people or just when a scene happens and you're just... It's like all of a sudden you're just staring at Edward Norton. You're just not even paying mm-hmm. attention to the people. I remember the first time I saw that movie, I told you, I have to see that again because that first audition scene when they're talking, you know, they're going through the lines and everything, it was, like, so overwhelming how good Norton was. I, like, missed the rest of the scene. Like, I, I don't even remember what Keaton was doing. It was like, I have to watch that again. It was just so good. It just overshadowed us everything, and he does do that almost in every scene. Like, you're kind of waiting for him to get back on, on film each time in that movie. You're just so, waiting for him to be back Sometimes in. I think it is easier to steal scenes when you're a supporting character and you have less screen oh, time. Yeah. That's a good point. But what Norton did that is uh, that you pointed out, Bob, is he wasn't stealing scenes one-dimensionally. He was a nuanced character, given, even though he had uh, pretty limited screen time. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a crazy guy, but he displays a range of feelings and emotions in that movie that... Uh, really come across in his limited time on screen. What is also hilarious, though, like it's and that's the really cool thing about Norton is that he's he's secretly a really funny guy. And the scene with the like, let's actually have sex on stage and just his hypocrisy in in I need the truth, like the truth in theater. But yet he's going in in fabricating interviews and ripping off people's lines and like ripping off people's backstories. And in, in real life, he's this actual fraud, even though in his art, it's this truth-seeking uh, that's just a really dynamic and funny character. Uh, oh, yeah. And it, it leads to that, you know, that kind of funky little baseline of that movie, and, and he just is is perfect in there. Mike, you yeah, were going to say something? Do, well, I was going to say a couple of things. One is, it's funny. It's like he's an actor, right? So he is bullshit to begin with. And that's a funny thing to examine. That these guys, they're, they're make-believe people on stage. So everything else that they're saying getting really poetic it's kind of like i mean your entire life is acting it's you know like stop taking yourself yeah. so seriously that's number one number two oh, damn uh, cut to my fucking core hammond dick <laughs> no i'm just saying i'm just saying for norton uh yeah i'm no, sure that's where you were saying for no no but, anyway but the main thing too is with this i think that it really brings up a, a like a ceiling role like that's the note i wrote for that movie ceiling role question mark because it's like the the ratio of on screen time to like how good the scenes are is it's kind of rare to do that like jordan was saying unless you're supporting and he's so good at that like how many actors can toggle between that like even in rounders he's like that too where it's like he's not really on screen that much but when he is it's just i mean it's crazy to see he can do that in so many different kinds of movies i mean how many people can really do that yeah, I think his best performances are when he's he's not driving the boat uh yeah with exception to one main one uh but uh yeah. primal fear supporting birdman yeah. supporting uh, uh i'm just looking through most of these uh 
Fight Club doesn't really count. Uh, but the score, even, like, that was actually pretty interesting part that he played, uh, uh, supporting, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then some of his leading ones uh, I'm not as into. But, yeah, yeah the, the supporting is definitely he's able to, to play in. It was just also really nice to see him be really good again. Like, look back yeah. through the, the filmography. I would argue that, you know, he, he hadn't had a Norton-esque performance in a while. Um, so it was nice to see him uh, come back and, and Birdman and show us that he still got it. Yeah, yeah, really. After Red Dragon, which I thought was a pretty cool movie, uh, which is in 2002, you basically go until uh, 2012 in Moonrise Kingdom. So that's that's 10 years right there. And then really just a, a cut above the rest uh, a couple years later in Birdman. But you're right. Yeah, yeah Moonrise kind of... Kingdom's a great movie, but it's not a great Norton performance. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And again, that's another kind of fool little uh, plucky supporting character that he had. Um, so, uh, good picks, Jordan. I got to agree with you. Mine are, my, uh, I still have one left in terms of my best, but uh, Mike, what was uh, your second best? Because you had uh, American History X there. Yeah, my second best was American History X. First best was Primal Fear. Yep. For, okay, that's mine I mean, too. So we yeah. all are agreeing. Yeah, I, I mean, that's his first movie, right? That's his first actual, yep. which is just absurd. Uh, and- By the way... Everybody drink. Originally, a role turned down by Leonardo DiCaprio. And oh, interesting. Yeah, right, right. And he beat out Matt Damon for the role. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon wanted that, and they're both in so, Rounders like a couple years later, which is crazy. Yeah, there is actually a, a funny little anecdote uh, with uh, Ed Norton in that they had all Ed Norton, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Matt Damon were in the room auditioning for The Rain Man that Grisham movie that Matt Damon ended up getting. Mm-hmm. And both Leo and Matt Damon were really pissed because Norton was coming off of Primal Fear and they were like, we'll never get it over this guy. This guy, in terms of our age group, is like the shit right now. There's no fucking way. Uh, so at that time, after after Primal Fear, he basically had dominated anyone that was kind of in the 20-something range. Yeah, it's just... I, I don't get how you come out of the gate with a movie like that. What's the other parallel? Is there anyone else that's even done something like that? Their first movie? I mean, I had said Dave Wooderson and uh, Dazed and Confused, but it's not yeah. necessarily a, a triumph of a performance. It's just an awesome Well, because that movie, yeah, so that movie could easily suck. Like, Primal Fear could have been bad. It's it's really not that interesting of a mystery from what I remember, to be honest. You're, you're just trying to understand that, that split personality, two-character thing. And it, yeah, the Aaron Roy thing. Yeah, it, and it's... I'm not sure if he made those decisions, how, like, the stuttering and everything. I don't know, but it's, it's well, just... Well, he did. So he wanted people to instinctively feel really bad for Aaron. So he gave him the stutter because it's just a, it's a great way to, to gain sympathy from the people that he was on screen with, uh, as well as the audience. But it's just instantly your heart kind of breaks for someone that has a speech impediment or a impediment or that kind of thing. So, yeah, he, he built that into the role. It wasn't written in there. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but that's the movie that uh, it, it just really blew my mind. Not only his performance, but this twist at the end. You know, maybe it was my young mind, but I didn't see that coming. And it's definitely ruined every other twist and split <laughs> yeah. personality movie uh, that's come after it. And there's been well, a million, and no one. That's can what I mean. It. So many people try to do this, and it seems easy, right? You have this twist. It's a split personality thing. Okay, we'll get a good actor to do it. But the way this they did this, it's it's so much better than any other version of it. Yeah, it's a mark of a good movie when it's copied endlessly. Endlessly. Yeah, yeah and, and and one of the reasons why this movie is so huge for me too is I actually didn't see it. I saw them on order. I saw American History X and Rounders, 
and I went back and saw Primal Fear. And like I said before, he does American History X and Rounders, and then I see him in Primal Fear. It's only two years before, and it's like all those different roles. That's why I just became my favorite actor out of the gate. And again, I was in like eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, I think so I, was, I had the exact same experience. It definitely wasn't the first Norton movie that I saw. No. And that was kind of, the, those first few performances, I just threw my hands up and was like, this guy's the best. Yeah, up until 2004, there was a, there was a hot debate between him and Leonard. Uh, and there was, a, there was great arguments for either side. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. My, my two were Birdman and Primal Fear. Uh, Primal Fear for, for a kid that's 20 years old and, and to, to get a swing like that. And, and uh, he auditioned over, uh, there was 2,000 people he auditioned against. Uh, absolutely insane story of how he got that role. Uh, and uh, all the choices were, were spot on. I don't think he missed a single note. And it's, it's just, a, it's a straight up thrilling movie for it being a courtroom drama. And this was kind of in the time in the 90s where courtroom dramas were really hot. And uh, this was probably the best one out of yeah. all of them. Richard Gere. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Great. So uh, keeping the beat going, uh, we talk roses and thorns. So those were our roses, but now we have to give a full spectrum. So let's talk our two least favorite movies, our two uh, worst, if you want, Norton performances or movies. Uh, Hammond, we'll start with you. So mine is going to be The Incredible Hulk, number one, far and away. Uh, not only does that movie absolutely suck, uh, and I cannot believe he did it, but that really kicked off his five or six years sort of stumbling through nonsense. Uh, I, I didn't look up all the details, but I remember, because this was supposed to be his role in all these like Marvel movies, right? And Ruffalo took it over because he was such a dick, right? Oh, he <laughs> was so it, hard to work with. Yeah. yeah he, showed up, he showed up with his own script, wanted all yeah. his rewrites. They were like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, and it's just so disappointing to see him in a superhero movie like that. And I, there was like a twenty-minute helicopter scene. That, it, it was terrible. I, I, I yeah, this absolutely. is one hundred percent a Hammond pick, just so he can take a jab. It's at not superhero movies in Marvel. Look, I hated movies. them in 08. That was ten years ago. All right, he's a. Okay. I think he's a better yeah. hawk than uh, uh, Ruffalo for sure. Yeah, Ruffalo's not that great. That's a different podcast. Yeah, we can talk about yeah, him in a different podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll bring him. We'll bring a. We'll do a case case for and or against Ruffalo later. I actually like Ruffalo as an actor. Just yeah, yeah. No, he's fine. He's just in too many movies. All right, Hammond hates the Incredible Hulk. Hammond, what's your second least favorite? uh, Norton. Hmm. Who else does Hammond hate? The Italian Job is my uh, (laughs) second movie of his. I knew that was coming. (laughs) No, look, both these movies are just so generic and stupid, and they're the kind of movies. And this was so I wanted to fit in back to the Leo debate for a long time. Norton did really good movies for a long time, right? He never did sort of that, I don't know, like Hollywood paycheck movie. And he seemed to say somewhat true. I mean, I didn't know he was this really like controlling, crazy script guy. Hard to work with. But just when he started doing these movies, like getting you the paycheck, but it's just like anyone can do that role. And it's disappointing to see him do those. So actually, Hammond, uh, it'll make you feel better. But uh, apparently in doing the research for this, he was contractually obligated to do three movies for Miramax, oh. and they basically were going to sue him unless he did this movie or some, one other movie. But he chose to do this movie, but phoned it in and essentially was there so he wouldn't get fined Marshawn Lynch style. Got it. Oh, oh. It so it should make better. you feel a little better. Was that one of those deals where it's you know three for us, one for you? Pretty much, yeah. And do you know what had, his one was? Like, what was the movie he, that he really wanted to do? 
I don't know. All I know is that this movie was the the famous one where he basically did it just so he wouldn't get uh, sued. Yeah. Because they were going to go to court. So. Yeah. I've got it on my list as well. So. Um, okay, so that's one of yours. Yeah, but I just want to point out that I think uh, it's it in Hammond's case, it's being pulled down by the fact that Mark Wahlberg is also in that movie. Not true. <laughs> yeah, like totally, I'm totally true. I'm not sure true. it's true. You know, Mocky Wahlberg's Mock. been big. He's been big uh, into uh, revamping Royal Oak in Detroit, but I uh, still totally fucking hate that guy. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, Too bad yeah. his movies suck and he sucks. Yeah, yeah. Hammond's never <laughs> going back to Royal Oak. He still is still strikes against him for making shitty movies. So, uh, uh, Harris, you uh, you said one of yours was The Italian Job? Yep. What the is other... your second least favorite movie? Yeah, the other is Death to Smoochie. Oh, really? Yeah, not a fan. Oh, wow. I love Death to Smoochie. That I was actually not... have that on my underrated performance. Yeah, that was like number six. <laughs> yeah, that was number six for me. That was a movie Go that... Ahead, let's hear why. I just That was a movie that the first time I'm watching it, again, this is back in the day before, you know, Rotten Tomatoes influenced decisions and uh, before there was... Or, influenced how you feel about a movie and yeah i remember trying to watch it and being like what the hell man this movie sucks and turned it off <laughs> and i remember talking probably to you guys and others were like no i actually really like that movie and i remember giving it a second chance and it really only just reaffirmed my dislike for the movie go back in and give it a third chance asshole this Maybe. movie is it's, awesome it's been it's been a long time right we're talking high school but at this point i'm probably uh just sticking to my guns here right because it's full of it's got a great cast. Yeah, really it's, good uh, Robin Williams, Catherine Keener. Oh, Danny DeVito uh, directed dude, it. It's Danny like, DeVito. Yeah. And it's such a weird, dark movie. It does, it, it's like... It, yeah, I, maybe, it was, maybe it was over my head at the time, but I just thought it was trying too hard, basically, and it wasn't that funny. I, totally I think it was really funny, and in his character, this, like, dweeby, like... Like Barney Fake-ass Barney, yeah. but he sings these, like, ridiculous songs, like... Uh, uh, smack leads to crack and like my stepdad's not mad he's just adjusting and he's, <laughs> it's it's like, again it's these like he's really good at this like dark humor yeah. and that movie's like really especially I mean, this is Robin Williams is so goddamn funny in that scene in that movie in that scene where he's paranoid and getting taken from the the courthouse into his his the cop car and he's like someone touched my ass I just got shot ah! he's freaking out uh, Robin Williams is just perverse in this movie in the best kind of way and I think that uh, Ed Norton is just super wacky and and I don't know I really really like this movie and it also showed that he could do comedy because up until then it's it's just like I don't want to say a slog but it is a run of really really heavy dramas and then it's this like weird dark comedy i don't know i i really appreciated it and i think it has a lot of rewatchability as well well i think it also sort of speaks to uh the quality of his career in general i know i know i made a point to say that he's been he's i thought he'd fallen off a bit in uh the recent years but that's only judged against edward norton right it's only because his early movies were so good that i've been disappointed in some of the more recent ones birdman excluded um and so, you know, it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Like, I, there's plenty of movies I hate or dislike more than Death is Moochie. That is for sure. Okay. Uh, but, you know, looking back at his career, it's, you know, and I, you know, I, I tried not to pick stupid movies that he's barely in or, uh, you know, didn't get that much notoriety. Kingdom of Heaven or whatever. I don't really yeah. remember well, that He's movie. barely in that, right? Can we talk about that? I don't even that? think they see, you see his face. Yeah, he, he's like, he wears a mask or something. Yeah, he's a, yeah why did he do that? 
I don't know. That movie was a huge mess. Like, everyone that worked on Kingdom of Heaven really hated it. It was Terrence Malick, right? I think it was Ridley Scott, wasn't it? Or, or Ridley Scott. Was it Ridley Scott? Anyway, I don't know. Was yeah, it? I think everyone that was in Kingdom of Heaven just speaks about it very negatively. And by uh, all accounts, Collateral Beauty sucks, but I never saw it. So oh, that's true. I, I left that off. I actually list. watched Collateral Beauty just so I could have it on my worst list. It's horrible. <laughs> that's that's uh... it's... <laughs> don't they trick him? Don't they trick him into like people dying or something? Is it like a yeah, super morbid his, plot? His daughter dies of brain cancer, and so they hire actors to. And this is all part of the the first third of the movie is they go to this acting troupe and they're like, "Hey, can he's been writing these letters to time, death, and love, and just." to the uh, just kind of writing that's what people to those do, things apparently and he uh and so ed norton wants him to he's, he's not necessarily a bad guy in this but he, he they need to sell this company off and they need to like take his stock back so he they hire these actors to talk to him under the guise of death love and time and then they superimpose them out of the movie or they digitally remove them out to make him look insane to the lawyers so that's the plot of the movie. It's really not good. And Will Smith, again, what are you doing? Yeah, How is Will Smith making these decisions? That's a bad what idea happened on him? paper. Kate <laughs> Winslet's in that movie. Who's your Michael agent? Pena's in that movie. Uh, what's yeah, Helen Mirren's in that movie. Kira Knightley's in that movie. There's, Wasn't it like a holiday what? movie too that was supposed to come out and they like advertised it as sort of a feel-good Christmas movie or something? I don't know, but there was an incredible cast, and I think it's probably going to be the worst movie every time any of those people come up on a case four. It's going to be an easy one for me to to reference. Uh, it's oh god, it's such a piece of shit. Yeah, we so, probably spent too much time talking about it already. It was... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my my other worst was Keeping the Faith, which yeah. he actually had directed. It's it's not good, and it's yeah. him and Ben Stiller, and it's like oh, it's a love triangle, and uh, he's he plays a priest, and Ben Stiller plays a rabbi, and they're going after this like girl from high school. It's 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 really I don't know why he, I don't know why he did it, and I don't know why that was his first leap into directing. Uh, I, I I really it's kind of off, and it, and I guess he was trying to see what would happen with him in rom coms, I guess, but. Not a good look. So, anyway. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing it, and that's about all I remember about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not funny. It's not cool. It, it doesn't have anything to say. I, you know, moving on. Obviously, everyone out there knows that I'm not the biggest into romantic comedies. So, not, not saying that they're bad completely, but most of them are. Uh, so, moving on, let's go to uh, his most iconic, and I think not hearing it yet, uh, we're all probably going to land on the same movie, but... Uh, Jordan, what was your uh, your obituary movie for Edward Norton? Yeah, I, I think I, I know what you're getting at here, but if I'm picking one, I'm picking American History X. Oh, okay. As the movie that showcases his talent, uh, where he was a, a the leading character, um, early in his career, really important movie, the one that he'll be remembered for the most, I'm going American History X, and... Uh, I'll leave it to you to uh, make your case for the Fincher movie, but um... <laughs> the the Fincher movie. <laughs> I thought that's what you you were leading to, right? No, yeah, but I I would give it more than the Fincher movie. Well, you know, you tease it out there, I guess. Okay, okay, uh, Mike Hammond, how about you? Uh, what was your most uh, what is your most iconic uh, obituary Ed Norton movie? Mine's American History X, also. What the fuck? And I think it's that because that's the only movie 
not the only, but it's one of the main ones. I just cannot imagine anyone else doing that movie except him. Like, not a single okay. person. Whereas, like, a lot of these other movies, he's amazing in, but I can see other people playing those roles. I just can't imagine there being a new, or a new, a different person right. playing that role. That's fair. Okay. So both of you guys went obituary uh, American History X. I went with uh, everybody's favorite insomniac uh, from Fight Club. Mr. Narrator doesn't even get a name. Yeah, so, so yeah, so I have a little bit of beef with this. It's interesting. I had this. I thought we were gonna talk about it on best movies, but this. Okay. No one had it. So, interesting. You guys yeah. had it off your best movies and your you most know, iconic. Uh, yeah. Thing. Again, it speaks to the quality of the career that he had because yeah. Fight Club was absolutely like everywhere you, when it came out. Oh, let me and it let me walk this so out long. Name a name a movie since this movie that hit you the same way. Where you were like, that was hilarious. My mind is freaking blown. I, it, it was, it touches every spectrum of entertainment, uh, makes you think, makes you feel. And I just, I can't name another movie that hit me the same way that Fight Club has since, ever since. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I was, I like Fight Club. I was definitely into it. I just, you know, I I guess I was never one of those people that, just thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, well, this is what I would say, Bob. When I think Fight Club, I think Brad Pitt, not Edward Norton. I, I don't think about... Uh, That's fair. He, uh, Brad Pitt is... Uh, is that his best role? I, I don't That's know. Definitely, That's definitely... That's peak Brad Pitt, for That sure, is like... But... I mean, who else could do that? I mean, he is... And I get it. I mean, in a lot of scenes, he's narrating, which is great. Uh, but I almost think that movie is better than the some of the parts to some degree. And when I think Fight Club, I think Brad Pitt, not Ed Norton. That's why I didn't have it on there. He's amazing in it. It's not like he's he's incredible, but just for some reason, the question for me is, if the first thing I think of is a different actor, is that one of his best movies? I'll say, and that's I'll say what I wanted to kind of talk about. Iconic movie is Fight Club because that movie was truly incredible. Yeah. iconic. Uh, iconic performance, I would say, American History X. Okay. I agree. I, and I'm, I, I'm not I sure go, what the category the actually is. The performance in American yeah. History X is probably more notable, but man, uh, the the best movie, the movie he was in that was the best is Fight Club. I don't know about Did that. I phrase that correctly? <laughs> well, it's a great movie for sure. It's not a bad answer. It's just interesting when... So you think it's the best I, movie that he was in, but it's not on your list of favorite movies by him? Uh, no, it's... it's I, I had it at, um, well, shit, because that's a good... I, I had it as iconic, but you're right, because I do have Primal Fear and Birdman. Now I'm all twisted up, Jordan. Damn it, on my own podcast, you jerk. <laughs> you're like that... Richard Gere cross-examining me, making me wet my pants. Uh, so I uh, no I, I I just think Fight Club is is this is the the iconic movie. It it might even be the most iconic movie from the time we were in high school. I I think I've watched that movie three hundred times. That's yeah, probably I if a little bit at least one hundred times. I wonder huh? if a little bit of the movie is ruined for me from all the dumbass high school kids fight clubbing everywhere after that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't say. I, I just looking at his filmography, his most known for uh, in in IMDb, they always just kind of give you a snapshot of their quote most known for movies. Number one is Primal Fear. Number two is American History X. Number three is Birdman, and number four is Grand Budapest Hotel. So, not saying well, that. I'm just just saying. Yeah, it's just looking at this and talking through it. It's an absolute joke. He hasn't won an Oscar yet. 
I mean, these movies. How is it not one an Oscar for any of these movies? No, I didn't really. He was nominated one. twice before he was thirty. I know. And he just got. But again, uh, the uh, it it all just depends on your year, I guess. But I I, I don't know who won in nineteen ninety eight. Um, oh, it was uh, Roberto Benigni for Life Is Beautiful. Oh yeah, that was what a yeah. sham that was. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then uh, Primal Fear, I, I I don't know who he lost to, but then I knew J. Well, 96, but... 96 was the Forrest Gump Pulp Fiction year, wasn't it? Uh, that was 94. 94? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, and then Birdman, he loses to J.K. Simmons, and that was an incredible performance. Like I, He was definitely 1B that year, but it, was, it would have been tough not to give it to J.K. Simmons. So... Um, so yeah. now that we've covered iconic, uh, I I don't think we've done uh, Fight Club enough justice. Like the the just speaking about it in in terms of, in terms of the movie. Uh, let's just kind of give a minute or two a love to Fight Club and and how goddamn entertaining that movie was. Yeah, have you guys read the book yet or before? No, I have not. Okay, that's a movie where I I think the movie is better than the book in a, in a crazy way. It's. The way that movie was was made again is just. I think you're right. I don't know what movie has has done that many different things in it. I mean, it's like an action movie in scenes. It's really disturbing. It's really funny. It has some very serious things to say about that generation, which is kind of our generation, but like not really. Yeah. Like pre millennials. Consumerism like, is yeah. a part of the demasculinity or de demascul. Jordan, you're good with words. What am I trying to say? <laughs> taking sure. the, taking away masculinity from men. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and just just this like work. I mean, again, a lot of these themes come up still. This like working class angst and people who were brought up to you know believe in the America that their parents had, and then they find out their life sucks and they work at a, they're a dishwasher or a waiter. They're just well, yeah, all this your anger. whole job. Yeah, your whole job is just to buy shit from IKEA to keep your apartment organized so that you can, uh, you know, live an organized life to then be able to go back to work to a job that you hate in the monotonous cycle and. Yeah, it, it strips away it, your masculinity. All these guys are weepy, like, ballless dudes. And the only way to kind of fight back is to do the most masculine thing you can, beat the shit out of each other. Right, and this, like, theme of self-destruction. Uh, and, and just, just I, there's just a lot of really hierarchy things that movie examines in really small s segments. Uh, it, I, it's an amazing story, and it's, it's really good that they, they put it to film that way. Because, again, it kind of got ruined if someone messed it up. Yeah. I totally, I am totally with you, Mr. Hammond. Uh, and and the, it, is, is, it is Fincher, and I love everything Fincher does pretty much. I mean, he's probably he's my really favorite director. He's really an underrated director. director. Uh, and yeah. that movie visually uh, and stylistically is, is extremely unique. Um, and, you know, I, I hadn't thought of it until this conversation, but, you know, I mentioned when we were discussing Primal Fear about how that movie kind of ruined the twist for me and that... Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't enjoy movies like that anymore because I was almost expecting it. And then Fight Club went and did it, and it was Norton again, and I fell for it. So <laughs> yeah. name another movie; it's right yeah. on our freaking list. Yeah, uh, yeah. Three uh, years later, I don't know. If you guys had to fight anybody, did you ever answer that question? Uh, if you if you had to fight one person, who would it be? It was anyone in history, too, right? Yeah, anyone anyone in history. Anyone. Well, the first one, the first question was if you had to fight anyone, who would it be? Yeah, and he says he fights Gandhi, right? That's what Brad Pitt says. Yeah. Yeah, and then anyone in history would fight uh, Abraham Lincoln. Hell of a reach. I know Hammond well, would probably fight Mark Wahlberg. Uh, no, I wouldn't fight Mark Wahlberg. 
I, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I'd probably fight nobody. I mean, I'll get my ass kicked no matter who I fought. I don't know. That's not a good question for me. Okay, fair enough. Think about it. Come back next time. Uh, and so uh, I just wanted to, before we get into our, our alternative castings for Ed Norton, I wanted to read through uh, some of the alternative castings that he had in his career he actually had. So first he was rumored for the cameraman in Up Close and Personal which is a Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer movie. That's really only a reference for my mom, Mary Kobach's friend of the pod. Uh, he also auditioned for Rudy Baylor in the movie The Rainmaker, I had mentioned, against Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon. Eventually was won by Matt Damon. He turned down the role of Private Ryan in Saving Private Ryan. He was considered for Andy oh, wow. Kaufman in the Man on the Moon movie. Uh, he actually auditioned for that. Uh, producers of American Psycho really wanted him for Patrick Bateman. He turned that down. Uh, he was attached to, at one point, to star in Hearts War, but that role went to Colin Farrell. Uh, and then he was going to play uh, Terry Fitzgerald in Spawn in 1997, but pulled out. He's also, um, just a little bit of trivia, uh, good buddies with Paul Giamatti and Ron Livingston, who he went to Yale University with. So. He's actually uh, only two years younger than Paul Giamatti, which is weird, because Paul Giamatti seems like a 70-year-old man. Yeah, because he's in Paul's 14. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it to you yeah. uh, okay uh, so I'm, I'm now that we list. know some of, some of the uh, alternative casting uh, the actual alternative casting what are some roles that you guys think Ed Norton would have uh, really been fantastic in and we'll start with Jordan Harris yeah first of all on that list that you just read off the one that jumped out to me the most as being one that I could totally see Norton doing is Patrick Bateman in American Psycho oh yeah that was like mm-hmm. yeah weird Norton could definitely be weird in that movie. Oh, yeah. Psycho um, Norton. Yeah, Psycho Norton. Um, so, I've got a couple here. Uh, the first one that popped into my head was that I thought he would make a good Andy Dufresne in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Mm. That's a really good one. It's kind of the soft-spoken, quiet guy who can bottle some stuff up and, you know, take some shit for a little while and... Uh, let it boil well, is it him. the prison rape that really got you? Because you could just go back and watch your American History X again. You see yeah. some of that. Mostly I'm just enjoying uh, Edward Norton rape scenes. Yeah, it's so. a good prison rape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Uh, and another, didn't um, 25th Hour, he's about to go to prison. So yeah. Jordan keeps, Jordan is going to spend back, uh, man, 25th Hour is a heavy movie. That was actually, I would have bet money that that would have been on Hammond's list. It was. It was It was number four. Uh, I, I thought you guys hated that movie. Uh, I remember giving you a lot of shit about it because you loved it so much, which I think made me want to hate it. Fair. Because um. he gets, <laughs> Barry Pepper like beats him half to death so he's ugly when he has to go to prison so no one rapes him. So yeah. he's going to disappointing. It. That movie too is interesting. Another because... twist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Never seen it. Not in 20 years. Uh that movie was written, or that book, that movie was based on a book, and the book was written by David Benioff, who's like the main writer on Game of Thrones. So I'm surprised that you, there's no connection. Okay. Deep cut from Mike Hammond. Thank yeah. you, sir. Uh, so Jordan, uh, Andy Dufresne, good good pick. I could it's definitely really see him smashing that. Uh, you had a sack of one, you said? Yeah, maybe I'll wait and let you guys go. I don't want to steal any. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Hammond. This is really hard, because I don't really know... That's All the said. movies I thought of were really good movies, and who I'm replacing did a really good job. I think, number one, I would have liked him to be in McConaughey's role in Interstellar in, instead of McConaughey. So I would have liked McConaughey to... McConaughey didn't weep hard enough for you in that one? No, he was all right. I mean, that's... 
you know, it's a Nolan joint. I just want to see him with a director like that. And I guess he's not because he's terrible to work with, but that would be interesting to see that. The other one no, is... I, I, I think so, too. Hmm? And he's a heady actor that was a very heady movie. Like, I could see him kind of in, in that space trying to yeah. explain all the science behind it. And Right, right. And I think McConaughey was really good in it, but it, it didn't fit him as well, I think, as like a more like cerebral actor. I think Wayne Norton is, it would have been a little bit better. Okay. And then I would have liked him to see Fassbender's role in Glorious Bastards. I would have liked to see him do mm. that. So I'm just thinking of really good directors that, that he could work with. And I just want to see him, like we saw what happened with Fincher. I mean, I think a big part of his career is just he's, he hasn't really worked with a lot of great directors, really, has yeah, he? Yeah, I think people are yeah. just aren't interested. Uh, he's, he's damaged his, himself so much. And really, and that's uh, it, when we get to make our cases, that's just a, a big thing for me is, is unfortunately, it's, it's a co- career of what ifs. You're going, man, if he would have just mm-hmm. you know, played and collaborated a little better, he, so many roles he probably could have. He, he would have had his Oscar by now, but, you know, it's just... Uh, if you're tough to work with, man, that there's so much talent out there, they'll just find somebody else that they can work with and avoid the headache. And that's why the Wes Anderson stuff is interesting, that he seems to fit in in those movies fine. And he, and he gives himself up to, again, the the supporting roles and, and, yeah. and the minor roles, but he's he's fantastic. And I think he's just at a point where he, he wants to play and have fun. And I think that's what Wes Anderson seems to do for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, hey, so, uh, you said those two, Hammond, um, mine, the first one, uh, and it was going off of the, the Patrick Bateman one kind of stuck out to me, Jordan, and just kind of thinking of, uh, Ed Norton and some of his strengths and, you know, cause he can play kind of weak and, but he could also flip a switch and go psychotic kind of primal feel style. So speaking of psycho, I went with the actual literal psycho and I said he would be a really good Norman Bates. If Hitchcock were making movies and Ned Norton happened to be born in in the forties, uh, I think he would have been a really awesome Norman Bates in not the Gus Van Sant Psycho, but the Hitchcock Psycho. Uh, and I also thought it would have been really cool, um, just some of his work in the score and just kind of how uh, he was able to kind of play and in, in, in turn on the the mentally challenged and just his attention to detail. When it comes to mannerisms and everything, I thought it'd be really cool to see him do Rain Man. Nice. Dustin That's Hoffman's Rain That's Man. That's a really good call. Yeah. And he, uh, y- you just kind of see it where he would have been really good in that, just kind of watching him in the score. And uh, I, I think him with TC uh, would have would have really sang really nicely. So, oh, is this someone getting a phone call? Mm, somebody is. Oh, Caitlin was getting a phone call. Okay, sorry, I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those were those were my two. Uh, but uh, let's let's bring it home, guys. We we've kind of done the whole structure. Uh, what would your uh, case for or against Ed Norton be? We'll start with Jordan Harris. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's any way you can make a case against Norton. He's uh he's one of those guys. I think Mike mentioned it earlier. Uh, for a long time, he was someone that you could just absolutely count on to to put out a quality movie. You know, it. We didn't even talk about some of these smaller ones that are, you know, by all accounts, good movies. You know, but not great movies. Um, and I don't know what they're off the top. The painted like the veil illusionist? or like the illusionist. You know, I actually just watched the illusionist, and that movie is interesting because it was one. It came out at the same time as uh, the Prestige. It was the just prestige, completely yeah. overshadowed 
by The Prestige and by Nolan. And for good reason. The Prestige is just a better movie. Yeah. The Illusion That's is, really ironic bad. because we've been talking about him playing a Christian Bale part and we've been talking about how he needs to work with Chris Nolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's really needs. funny that he did a magician movie the same year. Yeah, I just barely missed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I w- I w- what would be the case against Nolan? I mean, that would be crazy. Uh, Hammond, let's hear your case. Yeah, he was my favorite actor for a long time. I mean, I still love him, obviously. When Birdman came out, I was psyched just to go see something like that with him being in it. It's just, I don't think he's, he's been too difficult to work with, and I don't think he's been around the best directors. What the fuck do that's... you care if he's difficult to work with as long as he keeps making good movies? Well, he's so difficult to work with, people don't literally don't want to work with him. That's so I, I mean, I guess the case against him is just that. I, I, like, I think a lot of these movies and a lot of these people... Damn it, Caitlin. Like, a lot of these movies, it's, yeah, you know, there's Edward Norton, and he's amazing. Like, even a movie like Leaves the Grass isn't a great movie, but it's really interesting to see him play two characters. You've and seen told... the movie? I've never yeah. heard of it. Leaves of Grass. It's a, it, it's a comedy. Yeah, it's like a... By Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake hmm. Nelson's, like, one of the guys from, uh, you, you know who Tim Blake, uh, from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's not John mm. Turturro or George Clooney. He's yeah, the other, the guy. other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the not famous guy. Yeah, yeah. third wheel. Yeah, just just the range though. The range of movies is just, it's it's what I've always liked with him. And even now, this like little Wes Anderson renaissance. He's you know he's not the main thing there, but it's great to see him in movies like that. So you're saying if he wasn't such a dick, you would get more quality Norton movies, and that kind of. Sucks. I think yeah, I think he would be in better movies. Like he could be a supporting role in in, in a lot of these movies, and like Tarantino would be awesome to see him in a Tarantino movie. Awesome to see him in a Nolan movie. I don't know. I just that's the big bummer for me. But he's—it's not like he's ninety years old. So maybe at some I'd, point they can still fit him into some of these roles. Maybe he. I'd can, have been uh, interested to see to him into Django. Right, right, right. Playing what's his face? Uh, Leo's part, Calvin oh, Candy. Oh, I was thinking of the other bounty oh, hunter. Oh, Christoph Waltz part. Yeah, yeah. Like that kind of character, he would crush that. That'd be awesome. He would do such a good job, and something like that. And I would love to see what he would do with it. And he's just not in those movies, and that's just what it is for his career. Bob, what's this deal with the... You mentioned the Motherless Brooklyn coming out. Do you know anything about it? Well, he, this has been something he's been Forever. trying to work on for a long time. Yeah. It's a book. It, it's, a, it's a book adaptation, uh, and he's going to... He's the lead in it. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a crime novel. Bruce Willis uh, is in it? He's also directing it. Yeah, he's directing it. So this is the second time he's directed a movie since... By the way, Kingdom of Heaven was definitely Ridley Scott. Uh, it's the second time he's directed a movie since Keeping the Faith. So... Hoping well, for a. He might be hard to work with, but he's not having. Uh, it doesn't look like he's having a problem getting uh, big name actors yeah. to be in his movie. Yeah. yeah Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis has nothing to do. Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be interesting. I guess we'll see how that that shakes out. But even most most IMDb profiles like this, especially their their filmography, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. You know, when you click on someone, it's. There's four, yeah, five things. Like seven. It's never been like that for him ever. Untitled Edward Norton projects, yeah, yeah, six, seven, it, and eight. Yeah, he doesn't never. He never has them. No. Yeah, well, because no, last no. time he did that, you got the Italian Job and those other two shitty movies. Good point. All right. Bob, have you seen Isle of Dogs yet? I have not. I yeah, do I really want to go see it. I just there's been so much. I I, I went and saw uh, the 
Quiet Place, and I, and I went and saw Ready Player One instead. And I feel guilty, because I normally go see every single Wes Anderson movie in the theater. It's one of my favorite directors, but I uh, haven't, haven't had a chance to see it yet. I, I will go. I'll, I'll make it, I promise, Mr. Anderson. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have for right now. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming out, uh, Mr. Hammond and Mr. Harris. Thank you guys so much for, for coming back on. I'm glad you guys have a mic. You guys can uh, come and join me later a uh, bunch, bunch of other times for some more of these, okay? First Anytime, many. man. Fun as always. First, first as many. I'm going to uh, play us out with some Death to Smoochie. And <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Say bye. Say bye, guys. Right. See ya. Say bye. He's just adjusting. His temper's bad and he's a slob. He's bitter cause he lost his job. But my stepdad's not mean. He's just adjusting. So three cheers for the man that I proudly call Stan. He's not quite a dad or a brother. Yes, he gets cross, but still, he's, he's the boss. And besides, he takes care of my mother. So be patient with new friends like Stan. It's tough to be mom's second man. But your stepdad's not mean. He's just adjusting. So remember, kids, a stepdad is a lot like a new puppy. They need patience and love while they adjust to their new surroundings. But remember, if he is ever abusive to you or mommy, what are the magic numbers? Nine one one! That's right!